Welcome to the Alienators Chess Game Podcast, exposing the playbook to the toxic co-parent. I'm your host and high-conflict family coach, Jennifer Segge. Now let's strategize. Let's dissect the personality of the alienator. Let's identify the needs of our children the abuser preys on. Let's extinguish the chaos of the co-parent conflict. Target parent warriors, let's outsmart the manipulator and rescue the parent-child bond. Checkmate. Hello, target warrior parents, support tribe, and our allies in conquering parental alienation. Today, I have a very special guest with us. Her name is Stephanie Silvio Castello. And Stephanie has over 10 years experience working in the psychology field. She's uh, has attended school for criminal justice, human services, and psychology. And she has learned the essential skills to relationship building. She's also a mom to three beautiful children, and she was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, and she had to learn to work through these life changes and struggles, and it has inspired her to figure out the skills and tools to work through it. So she is joining us today um, because as target parents, as their support tribe, We understand that this is what we deal with is so stressful, it's so traumatic, but I wanted to talk with her and pick her brain about her expertise regarding relationships because one of the many problems this causes is when we are in new relationships, the stress um, from the energy, the finances, and all the other ways that parental alienation can drain us can also affect our current relationship. So I want us to have skills on how we can make sure that we are handling the stress from the parental alienation, but we're still showing up in our new relationships and able to keep our new relationships healthy no matter what the alienator's game is. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So you have a lot of experience with um, relationships and skills and tools for relationships. Do you want to give us a little bit of feedback on how um, you, you came to that point of focusing more on relationships in your life? Yes, that's a a really great question. Uh, It's actually never been asked to me in that way. Uh, So thank you for that. I, I've always had this, I'm like the the rule breaker in my life. So, you know, rules are meant to be broken. So I was always the why, why, why does it have to be that way? Why that way? And so relationships, uh, there's so many parts of us that go into relationships. Uh, And so I always was curious on what's the nitty gritty of it, of each of those parts, and how does it make up the whole, the systemic approach to life, basically, Um, all the systems that go into what makes us as a, makes us up as a whole human. And, and as I've really just chipped away at that iceberg, uh, most of my life, the last 13 years now, um, I've gotten to a point where I, I just love really making that huge impact because when we move one piece, it affects the rest of the, the game. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I love, I love that curious personality. I fear sometimes in our society, we're so stressed out that a lot of times we just go on autopilot and we keep mm. 
making the same mistakes over and over again. But when we take the time to dig in, it's kind of like an investment. We take the time to dig in, figure these things out. It pays off so much in the future, saving us time, making us more healthy, saving relationships. So what do you think would be important when, you know, target parents are experiencing a lot of trauma? You mm -hmm. have that they experience trauma, um, you know, that constant panic and anxiety. There's a lot of anger too. So there's so many emotions that are going on. And when it comes to having a relationship with their current spouse or their current significant other, you know, what are some ways that they can ensure this old toxic relationship is not interfering and causing problems in their new relationship? Mm, such a good question. And to touch a little bit on what you were saying uh, about digging in, there's we can approach life in two ways, impulsively or intentionally. And getting clarity around that is at first, it's like, oh, wow, look at how impulsive I'm being. And it can feel very overwhelming um, until we get to a place where we're realizing I don't want to be impulsive, so I want to be intentional. And, and usually once uh, somebody has that awareness, especially when they're engaging in a toxic relationship that they unfortunately have no choice to engage in because they have to co-parent, right? There's, there's no choice in that. And I kind of relate that uh, sort of relationship to even being a parent, right? Uh, our children are the one person is usually the one person in our life that can do something mean to us and come back to us and we still have to love them, <laughs> right? We have to because they're our child. Uh, we most often choose to, we don't necessarily have to, but, and so uh, that digging in and getting that clarity around our intention and how we intentionally want to engage with that potentially toxic person or even our child who's having, you know, a, an emotional challenge. It, it's, it first starts with personal clarity um, and, and self-awareness and really figuring out what is it that I crave to have for me uh, and, and asking myself or asking yourself, what do I want, you know, in my life, in my relationship for me? not for me, the mom or the co-parent or the new partner or the business owner or the entrepreneur, whatever you are, not for you in that title you carry, but strictly for you. And that is usually a huge awareness piece door that is like opened that people, when they get asked that question, they're like, well, I don't know who I'm a mom. So, you know, that's no, no. Cause that title, any title you carry can just be ripped away from you. Absolutely. So who are you at the core? Yeah, it's so interesting that you said that. I was doing and doing an intake yesterday, and the the question was, how much percent of you know what percentage of your life do you spend on the conflict? How much mm -hmm. percentage do you want to spend? And then you could just see what an eye opener it was. And he said, well, zero percent if it's BS, but I don't mind spending. I will spend endless time if it is really co-parenting, and just really um, fascinating to see people just make those connections of like, yes, I don't have to participate in this BS. Mm -hmm. This is my choice. But it, the very first step is bringing it to the self-awareness. And that was a truly intentional statement that person gave you. That was very, a significant level of awareness that usually takes a long time to get to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, very good points about, we have to bring into the self-awareness what is it within ourselves, who we are outside of all these different roles, because that can, we can definitely, um, things can definitely get tangled up and get very confusing and overwhelming 
but just starting with yourself outside all the rules. I like it. Thank you. And to uh, another quick question or not question, but a way to approach that. If you're like, I don't know what I want. Cause most people are like, I don't know what you mean by that. And it's, it's understandable because they've never actually dreamed it and felt it and experienced it. And so they can't just pull it out of thin air oftentimes. So ask other people, like, what is my superpower? What it is it that you come to me for every single time that, you know, you can rely on me on. And that's usually the best place to start. Mm. Yeah. I, I like that superpower because we do all, we all have our unique superpowers and we forget that Absolutely, um, that we are made differently and we're made to make this world go round together mm-hmm. um, and highlight that. That's, that's great. So we start, start with self, you know, look at, look at that role you want for yourself. Um, what would you recommend next to help their release, their current relationship and separate this toxicity from their ex? Absolutely. Uh, The next physical action is communication. Uh, Within that communication is um, enjoying the magic. There we go. I lost it. It came back. Enjoying the magic of the relationship. So like you said, there's, so there's an activity, a cognitive activity that you can do. There's two ways you can do it. It's kind of like if you're thinking about that toxic toxicity and you feel it and it's like in your body and you're trying to just put it somewhere for a little while, you can put it on like the proverbial mental shelf and just like, okay, there you are. I see you. You're not serving me right now. Like you're just going to sit on my imaginary mental shelf over here and I'm going to enjoy the magic of my current relationship. So it's, this is sort of an activity back to self. You can also picture it kind of floating by on a cloud of like, okay, bye-bye, see you later until you, you know, come back um, and just give yourself the opportunity to let it pass. And so once you've done that real mental check-in, then you can come into that communication with your partner and really having strong, open, trusting, vulnerable, deep communication. And if you can't, then saying, I can't. Uh, you know, we have the right to say, I don't know. We have the right to say, I don't understand. And we have the right to say, I just can't do this right now. And setting a boundary and walking away or taking space, whatever it might be. So uh, getting clear in your communication and how you want to communicate with your partner and what you're both craving to have in that experience. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback on what I say and then what I said. And then I also have a easy way to break that down. Yeah, I think that's so important. Um, I kind of think we should have a workbook when we get married on like, here's how to handle these situations. But I think to have that idea of like, coming together and how we communicate and talk to each other and how to give each other space. Um, when things are getting, you know, too emotionally tough, these uh, target parents and their support tribe, um, you know, when it, we're talking the amount of finances that are drained, mm. the energy, the, to see as a support person, to see your spouse or significant other go through all this heartache uh, is so hard and it really hits those deepest emotions. So knowing when to say, this is my limit here. I, I can't, I have to take a step back or I can't, I don't know. I, I, um, you know, I need to think about this and, and come back right. to this. Yeah. Yes. The, the think about it is always an option. Like you don't have to have and know everything right then and there you get to say, I need space. I need to process this. Mm-hmm. And, and that's remaining true to your desire to be intentional 
in your life and not impulsive. If somebody comes at you with a question that you weren't prepared for, you have every right to be intentional with your response and, and stick to being intentional with how you want to respond, mm-hmm. um, both in the moment and later on. How to do that. So you talked about a workbook, right? Uh, you know, it would be really great if we could, uh, my husband often will joke around, flip to chapter six and Stephanie said this, so do X, Y, and Z. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like the proverbial Stephanie inst- instruction manual. Um, and so I, I was like, you know, that's a great point. How can we boil that down so that we both can be on the same page, regardless of the semantics or the context of the situation? right? Regardless if we're talking about finances or parenting or our homeowner relationship or whatever other relationship we engage in, uh, how can we have a basic foundational structure of communication that will allow us to continue to get our point across equally and confidently instead of, again, impulsively. And so I came up with this uh, a Venn diagram. So for those of you who don't know, it's two circles that meet in the middle and you got that middle that both the circles kind of share. On the left side is me or you or I, right? The person who's doing this writing and and this process. In the middle is the workable compromise, you know, the two, where the two circles come together. And then on the right side is them, your partner, whoever it is. If you need to add a third circle, you can do that and add more more people into the equation. That gets a little bit complicated. So let's stick to the easy stuff first. And so when you're taking care of your end of it, you're, you're asking yourself these three questions. What do I want for me? Uh, what do I want for you? And what do I want for us? Right. First me, always first me. Then what is it that I desire for you? And what is it that I desire for us? And same thing on the other side, what do they want for themselves? What do they want for me? And what do they want for us? Now it's very important not to make assumptions here because we often will fill in the blanks on their end of the scale based on what we think in some, instead of what we've actually heard and engaged in with a conversation with them on. So if you're not quite ready to go approach them with whatever topic it might be, um, then just don't fill in. You can kind of, you can create a hypothesis, but don't expect that to be the it thing. Your hypothesis needs to be tested first and figure out if your theory is right. Um, but you can get very clear on what you want. And as soon as you get that clarity on what you want, you can then approach the situation with, here's my line. This is what I crave. And this is, this is where I, this is what I want. And I deserve this. And what is it that you want? And how can we find a middle ground? Um, go ahead. I'll let you first one. No, I really like that idea of just, I'm a very visual person. In fact, I had a music lesson earlier this morning. I'm like, I need something visual. I just can't do audio, <laughs> but yeah. I love the idea of the, the Venn diagram to say, you know, here's, here's the part of me, here's the part of you, here's the part of us. And mm-hmm. so it can very much keep us focused, especially when all the stress and trauma is going on, that those are very distracting. So if we just have it all in a nice neat Venn diagram. Mm. Very, very helpful. Thank you. And to bring in the third piece to this and so that we can not always focus on that stress, right? We let that stress go by on a cloud and now we're sitting here like, now what? 
the intimacy, and let me be clear, intimacy is not just what happens behind closed doors. It is how we bond as people, is emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, experiential, spiritual, you know, non like hugs and kisses. Those are all levels of intimacy that don't necessarily happen behind closed doors. And so um, when you're really trying to keep, like I mentioned earlier, that magic alive, that spark alive, or enjoy that magic that the relationship is meant to have, versus the stress that it often can take over that magic, uh, getting, doing this exercise and getting clear on what is it that you crave? What are your love languages? What do you love about your partner? And what are you passionate about experiencing together? Uh, and, and sometimes it, we almost have to force ourselves to do those things that we are craving because uh, if it's not happening spontaneously, then it doesn't always feel as fun, right? Um, and so simple things like date night cards or little dice with the different uh, words on them and little activities that you can do together to really appreciate the qualities that you fell in love with each other initially. Yeah. Um, so I really like the order that you go in with this to have like the self-awareness and being able to put this aside, because when you were discussing intimacy, I'm thinking sometimes this parental alienation is so overwhelming that it just, it, it just constantly, our mind is running. And if, if we still have that, we can't be intimate and have that emotional connection with other people because that is kind of holding, holding our mind captive from, from that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I like the order that you go in with this um, because it's necessary in order to be able to be free and have that uh, connection with our significant other. Um, I also kind of going along with what you were saying, I heard a quote the other day, it said something to the extent of, if you do what you did in the beginning of the relationship, there will not be an end of the relationship. Hmm. And think back of like, you know, we've made lots of time for each other in the beginning of the relationship and, you know, do fun things and then life happens. And so then we're kind of like on autopilot, like you discussed before, and, you know, we're not taking care of the relationship. But if we, you know, um, I I think even when we get busy, have to schedule it in, have to schedule in time for each other that we put everything away, not just this parental alienation, but like the stress of the bills, you know, the stress of the kids and what's going on with COVID and everything else. And it's like within, within this half hour, nothing significant is going to change. And we can put everything outside and just focus on each other. So I really, I really like, you know, that your focus on intimacy there and, and, pushing everything out because I think that's really what target parents and their support tribe needs of that, that clarity to have that emotional connection with each other and maintain that. Mm, Absolutely. And really what you just described was the essence of intention versus impulse. Mm -hmm. It's just, we don't necessarily know that we're doing it when we're first meeting in our, in the honeymoon phase, we don't realize we're being super intentional because it's super exciting and spontaneous and new and there's all of this energy that's naturally there. And so as relationship starts to evolve into other stages of, you know, just general life uh, relationship stages, it, that energy kind of, you have to work at having it. And that's what I was meaning towards earlier. Um, and I love how you say 30 minutes. I would even say 20 seconds, mm-hmm. right? One of the most important things in, a, in any relationship regardless of what is happening. I don't care if the dog pooped on the floor and it's sitting there and you're smelling it in this 20 seconds, but giving each other a 20 second hug as soon as you wake up 
and before you go to, but when you first get home, when you first come back together in the day. Um, 20 second hugs are shown to decrease depression. They're shown to release endorphins and really give the two humans who are hugging this opportunity to kind of let loose. So this can go both for the child who is also in the middle of the alienation and the couple and anybody else who, the new couple and anybody else who's involved in this situation. If everyone just comes together and starts with a 20 second or longer, not shorter, longer hug, that will set the tone hopefully off in the right foot. And then if you get to a place where that stress is kind of creeping in again, breathe and just ask for a hug or give a hug. And sometimes we don't want that hug. Sometimes we're angry and we want to fight and we, you know, we want to reject all of those, those um, good things because we're in this protective mode. Uh, but yes, 20 second hugs have such a, a invaluable opportunity to connect in the ways that we crave to connect. We dream about connecting every day and we don't do it because we don't have time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that 20 seconds because we always have time for 20 seconds. And yes. yeah, I'm thinking of all the other positive things that are happening. You know, with the, you said the endorphins, how much more energy and elevates our mood and the oxytocin is going to help with, you know, further bonding. So, mm-hmm. so many good things happening there. And all we have to do is make sure that we do that for 20 seconds, yeah. um, greeting each other after, you know, a long day. And then first thing in the morning too, I like mm-hmm. it. Sounds so good. Uh, well, thanks so much, Stephanie, for giving us your expertise on the subject. It's it's going to be very helpful um, with target parents and their support tribe. And for those of you who want to know more about Stephanie, you can find her at www.safetyinfreedom.com. And she also has a nice checklist to help us with the assertive skills and that can be found at www.safetyinfreedom.com backslash assertive communication. Actually forward slash. I forward slash, right. sorry. Yeah. Yes, no right. worries. Forward, forward slash, slash. Uh, assertive communication. Yes. All right. So thanks again. And thank all of you for joining us for this podcast. Now let's go out and outsmart the manipulator and rescue the parent-child bond. Checkmates.